0: Welcome to season three. This is our first episode of that season here at the Sand Dune Podcast. We are your hosts, Hans and Frank. And if you'd like to join the conversation, tweet us, Sand Dune Podcast on Twitter, or email us at talk at sanddune.org. Hello, Frank. How are you?
1: Pretty good, Hans. I uh, just got back from a trip with the family to the Florida Keys, attempted to scuba dive, and uh, the weather didn't cooperate. It's historically windy down there. caused a lot of uh, rough weather underwater, although on land it was great, and I had never been there, so fun and instructional for the entire family. Um, we happened to be there on the 40th anniversary of the day on which Key West seceded from the U.S. temporarily in protest of the Immigration Service setting up a checkpoint on Route 1. With anybody who's seen a map of the Keys knows is the only road in or out of town. It was wrecking the tourist industry, so they, they created... Concrete Republic, named after shellfish and they said they seceded where everyone else has failed. And I guess this was successful because the INS no longer has a checkpoint around them, but all it really resulted in West was additional partying. I got the sense happens. That
0: sounds like fun. So you didn't have a hurricane, but you did uh, have windy conditions.
1: Yeah. Even they said it was like abnormally windy down there. And even the dive boats just got to the point they wouldn't go out anymore, which kind of stunk because it meant everybody who works on them couldn't work. They were already having a labor problem But something like IHOP, which is usually open 24 hours, and there was, would be a big sign on it that said, we're only open from seven to I didn't want to disappoint Ethan too much into chicken and wild. Sometimes it was hard to find a place to eat that was open.
0: Hmm. So did you see fish and uh, coral or anything like that?
1: Yeah, we got two dives in. We saw some coral and a lot of sand kicked up in the water and some fish. Nothing terribly interesting this time, though. No sharks or octopuses. <laughs>
0: Well, one of these uh, years, uh, I will have to join you on one of your trips because uh, last time I've been scuba diving has been way too many years ago, (laughs) which I think it's more than a decade, actually.
1: It had been 15 years for us.
0: Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Then, Then I'm in good company.
1: So what's been going on with you?
0: Oh, well, uh, I have done a lot of uh, car activity in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the I managed to sell two cars uh, to car dealers and buy a new car um, and uh, now uh, also get some new tires for my car. So uh, the family has swapped around. We had a Volkswagen and a Mazda, and now we... Sold those two, and uh, we have a Nissan now. So we're we're sticking with the um, the Asian cars, uh, which we like. I have a Honda and enjoy that very much. So now I have a Honda and a Nissan, and uh, the uh, the German car, ironically, is gone. So <laughs> that was that was the entertaining parts, and uh, the the car that I had the tires replaced on the honda Uh, it was interesting because they have a new tool at the car dealership that shows you the settings of the car balancing of the tires and i'd never seen that stuff before and i'm sure they've had it for years but Uh, They printed it out on a little piece of paper with a picture of a car, and they showed you like what they did to tune the car properly. And I'm like, okay, uh, great. Uh, (laughs) I get in the car and I just drive off and and everything's nice and feels good. And I've got new tires, but um, that is a Maybe a little bit of transparency that the car dealer is able to bring to the customer to actually show them what work they've done, uh, particularly since often people are like, why are you charging me for balancing the tires? Don't you just have to drop the tires on the th- rim and everything's fine? Um, and uh, for many years, I've been pretty much of that opinion, um, although I'm sure there's there's technical reasons why you do have to balance car tires.
1: Well, they shake and. Actually, my problem is usually, why didn't you guys balance when you get, when you're driving along, you get on the highway and it shakes at like 62 miles, that's (laughs) balanced. For anybody who's listening, who doesn't know, that's balanced.
0: So the car feels really good right now. Um, And uh, since it's a bit of a higher performance, 240 horsepower car, I get to zoom around. And I think just having new tires, there's a different feel because I think also the ones I got are a little bit softer. Yeah, so that is what I've been doing with the cars this month and obviously done a fair bit of uh, coding in the meantime. Uh, But I think uh, we want to talk about what we are going to do with season three. Uh, Last uh, season, we were pretty creative. Uh, In season two, we did some creative work and we also talked about the Oscars and uh, Ukraine and so on but uh, I think we want to do a bit of a shift this uh, quarter and for season three, uh, go off in a slightly different direction that's a little bit more relevant to what we're working on. So Frank, did you want to
1: explain? Well, I think it's following our own transparency subject matter here. We have to come clean about what it is that we're actually doing. We've made a lot of references in the past to Running a company. We've made some references in the past to uh, things we would do and things we will be doing. We actually also, I think, at one point discussed how we would incorporate a company. And obviously, all of that sort of begs the question what is it you guys are actually doing? And I think here in season three is where we start to kind of mix in what we're really doing. So, obviously, it's something that we're going to need to start a company to do. And I think we're going to talk about that a little later on. I think front and center is the activity that this company is primarily engaged in at the moment is creating an app. And Hans, do you want to take a stab at explaining it? Because you're actually the one with the technical work. Yeah.
0: um, So that's that's right. We're uh, building an app. Uh, I have uh, started coding what I kind of consider the prototype, although it would likely turn into the first released version of the software. Uh, it's going to be an iPhone application. Uh, I still have to learn a little bit about whether or not it can be over on the iPad, but the ultimate goal is to have it be um, iOS uh, capable, uh, so on the phone, on the iPad, and then uh, be able to port part of it over to the Mac OS, uh, so that you have it on the desktop as well if you need to. Uh, but we are uh, building an application that's going to run on what we're calling the Sand Dune, which is our backend infrastructure. And the uh, goal of the initial application, because we're looking at building a few, um, is to try to take a shot at building a better address book for people's personal information. And uh, that may sound like a super boring uh, application, but we think there is some value in being able to build uh, something new. Now, now we're starting this project over on iOS, uh, but the intention is to ultimately have that app ported also over onto Android and any other potential future mobile OSs that uh, are used by the general public. Uh, but iOS is kind of that first starting point, And I've been spending some time learning uh, the Swift programming language because that's kind of the current future uh, of, of iOS-based applications.
1: Well, I think you anticipated my first question, which was why iOS?
0: Well, the reality on that part of it is uh, that's the mobile phone I have, (laughs) even though I do have an Android um, as well um, parked in the corner here, Uh, but I have a Mac environment. And so starting with that and having spoken to a lot of my friends who have built mobile applications, uh, the iOS environment is significantly more... Uh, friendly to get started with uh, because there's a lot more consistency based on how the cellular providers have to work with Apple devices. Uh, whereas Android, it's, it's a lot more open and potentially more complicated. But I have no intention of like having the app be exclusive to any uh, environment because the thing that we're trying to do is build an address book that can be used and uh, where information can be shared uh, across multiple devices. And so the success of the app will be best if mobile devices, regardless of which one you have, has the ability um, to interact with the apps. So so that's, that's all kind of our goal. Um, and I think the really cool part about what we're working on is how we want to integrate the uh, data management of the contact informations um, and that's where our backend infrastructure which um, you'll be taking a stab at initially um, where we'll how do how do we manage the data and so uh, that's kind of like the high level and you know this is not a product announcement uh, this is more of a um, hey we're gonna being transparent about what we're building and you uh, people find that interesting, then great. Uh, at some point, we will have an app uh, released. And when we do, then we'll hope our listeners will try it and give us feedback. Uh, but during the process, people can listen to our podcast where, we'll be, where we will be discussing uh, features of the product, why we would make one choice or the other, and maybe get into some uh, friendly arguments about why we should do one thing or the other.
1: Well, oh, that's great. I mean, obviously, the part that I'm going to be on the hook for, which is a lot of the back end stuff is where some of the magic happens. And despite the fact that we're transparent, probably some of the secret sauce is, we don't necessarily want to give it all away. But yeah, there are a lot of decisions and a lot of things to learn and be aware of when we're trying to put an app together. And I think taking listeners along on that ride live is kind of interesting because you can hear from week to week the problems you run into the arguments we have uh why we resolved things certain ways and also to look back on historically it's always fun to look back after you've had you know a good success with something and go oh, look at how this came together so right.
0: when we're I, when we're sitting around uh being 80 we'll we we'll dig up old podcast episodes going what did we say to each other
1: yeah well hopefully it's like eight months from now not um <laughs> when we're 80 i don't want to remember any of this but um I guess if I had to ask a question, kind of kick that part of it off is what do you think so far has been the biggest decision you've made design-wise with application? And this might be UI, this might be functionality. What what have you struggled with the most in terms of making a decision?
0: I think right now, there hasn't been one major challenge. There's been a lot of challenges. And so the first big decision was whether or not I would build the app with the Apple's UI kit or Apple's uh, Swift UI uh, framework. And I chose the latter, uh, even though that will limit the ability of older iOS devices to use the app initially anyway. and. That's mainly because I'm kind of trying to be future-focused, but also that since it's been many years that I've been doing software development myself, uh, I've worked on teams that have done it, but me actually sitting there and writing code, uh, that's been the the hardest part. And just getting back into that is is, is a bit of a challenge. And so I picked a... Uh, a framework in which I could work and where I would have a lot of assistance from the various online communities. And so developing software nowadays, um, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, and certainly you and I, Frank, have pontificated about it over the years, is that software development has changed a lot since when we first put our hands on computer coding tools. And one of the big changes is that you can get so much more help online. Like I was researching some stuff yesterday where I wanted to see how to change a particular UI setting. And, and I would just go on you know, Google and I would search for it. And I would either find a blog article describing that particular thing, or I could find uh, a YouTube video explaining it to me. So software development has just changed dramatically. So if I had to talk about one particular issue that I'm working on right this minute that is a bit of a challenge is the app that is so far has uh, a, basically it can pull in a JSON object and it can, which is a listing of all of the uh, contact information that a person has. And it gets loaded into the application as a structure Uh, which means I can display it, but in order to be able to manipulate the information. So if I want to make some changes to a contact, I have to switch things around a little bit and move things into an object uh, state. So that part of it, I'm not as good at and object oriented programming. It's always been one of the really challenging bits for me. Uh, So switching that around um, has been a, a a challenge, Um, but it's, just a functional thing I need to know how to do in order to make the app work. Um, the cool thing is that the UI right now actually looks kind of pretty. Um, it looks similar to what iOS's contacts application looks like and uh, hopefully I can you know make sure I emulate all the important bits uh, while at the same time introducing new functionality and features. Uh, a, a challenge uh, that we're gonna be facing, and uh, this is maybe getting a little bit into the nitty gritty, but that's kind of what we want to do this season is uh, how the data is stored. So if you think about a a contact that you might have, like my address and phone number and information that you would keep in your contacts application, well, how the representation of that information is stored um, in a JSON object um, is kind of important. Um, And then the app is also going to have things like Having a favorites list and having a um, like who are the people you most recently spoke with, uh, and uh, or called up, and those things like I initially started by storing some of that information inside the actual contact, and then I realized, hey, no, I need to break this out and put it into its own JSON file so that I could you know keep track of it separately, and so some of that. Um, uh, I think that's like one of my, one of the challenges that you and I need to spend some time talking through.
1: Yeah. So that challenge would, might boil down to having the backend giving you multiple feeds and it leads into a bunch of decisions that have to do with, is this a stream? Is it a push arrangement? Does the app pull updates? How does it, all of those things work and how do they interact, which are, you know, obviously changes that the app is going to have to coordinate with the backend. So There are definitely wrong decisions to be made, but a lot of them are. There is no right answer, right? It's what do you feel like supporting, and what do you think is going to be the most efficient way to code the app and the back end so they work well enough that the user doesn't decide that hey, this isn't this is no good or too slow or not fit for purpose.
0: Yeah, and I think we definitely think that some back end integration, uh, which is similar to I think how Apple does their. Contacts updating for with their own application is is pretty important. Uh, one of the really nice features I think within the iOS ecosystem, and I'm sure Google has this as well, is that if you've got two devices, like an iPhone and iPad, um, one MacBook or whatever, um, you you can have your contact information synced kind of consistently between all your devices. And we want to take that a little bit of a step further. Um, where we want to improve some of the syncing functionality. Uh, But one of the kind of neat things, I think, where we're trying to go one step further is that with the Sanddune backend, we really see many applications being able to leverage the same information that you have. And I might give a kind of a slightly different example that's not related to the app we're working on right now, but it would be that let's say you had a calendaring application, and the calendar application, you know, puts some information out there that you've got this meeting, and here are the people that are attending this meeting. And that's stored, obviously, on your local device, but it's also synced back to your Sand Dune. And the, obviously, you would expect that the app that you're using can access that information. But what if that information could also be accessed by other applications? So building that API on the sand dune that lets other applications with permission, of course, access your, your particular uh, calendar event, and then be able to potentially do things with that information and help you in other ways. um, It could be really powerful. And so uh, we don't quite know yet how that's going to be fully architected, uh, but those are some of the kind of key concepts um, that uh, we think the sand dune could help provide.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's important to take a a stop really quick here and kind of reiterate that what a sand dune is, right? We keep saying that and actually podcast (laughs) is named that and the company's named that everything's named that. And by the way, the UI starts off with the sand dune logo and everything. And the app looks awesome. I forgot to say that earlier. Oh, thank you. I mentioned how it was looking. Um, It's definitely following that you know sand dune kind of visual language but what a sand dune is without because obviously we have to architect some of this and we also don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce too quick otherwise there's not going to be any you know podcasts to make um
0: <laughs> we have to we have to keep some
1: of the things there has to be some mystery yeah there has to be some mystery but m- suffice to say it is a module somewhere in the ether in the cloud if you will or maybe somewhere else, that holds your information and that space belongs to you and you alone, right? We talk a lot about trust and we talk a lot about privacy too because these things are kind of rolled up into what a sand dune is, which is your data, like the grains of sand in the world, all kind of get blown into one big dune and we kind of want to make the digital version of that where we're holding all your your sand in your container, separate from everyone else's so you can feel like you have some ownership over it some trust in where it's being shared if at all some control over that uh, as well as being able to you know maybe pick up your sand dune and go home you know store it on a hard drive put it on your desk stop playing with the rest of the world but I think those concepts are kind of baked into what we want the sand dune to be but I just wanted to make sure that people understood that when we say that, we're we're referring to a particular construct, a space yeah, think, that belongs to the.
0: Yeah, I think for the purposes of any technical person listening, or even the people who are not technical, that you know, when people talk about the cloud, they're talking about putting your data on somebody else's computer. It just happens to be in a nondescript warehouse somewhere near a power plant with plenty of water cooling capability. (laughs) So these, these things that are called clouds, um, these are just data center servers. And while I don't think we can get away from a future where your data is stored, not just on your local hard drive or your local memory that's in your phone, we are definitely in a world where you will have your data out there on another system. But for us, we see that the amount of data that is kind of consumed and stored by individual companies and then mined for all sorts of purposes. Um, we really don't agree with that approach of things. Um, we really think that if you are going to give any kind of information to a company, uh, if either for storing or for you know other purposes, it, you ought to have full consent on whether or not you want to give that information to that company to do other things with. And so the concept of a sand dune, uh, which is kind of like a cloud, but is that it's your personal place uh, for your information. And you can be sure that if you put information there, that it's going to stay private to you unless you choose to allow that information to go somewhere else. And that's, I think, a really big part of the environment that we want to do. Now that that Frank kind of alluded to is this concept of you being able to take your data and move it around. Well, that kind of reminds me of the the current uh, buzzword that's going around, which has been around for a while, which is decentralization. Now, I think maybe we want to talk about that just a little bit so we can give folks our perspective on decentralization and why that's either a good
1: or a bad thing. Yeah, I think um, for the reasons that you explained, Hans, with the cloud being somebody else's computer, but you know somebody else with a, a million somebody else's in the building, right? Um, they're very centralized. Google stores all their data in Google's domain, all their data on you, all their data on everyone else. Um, same thing with Facebook, and you know even Apple to a degree, even though they like to sell on privacy. Decentralization is theoretically taking. The gatekeepers out of the equation and letting, I'm trying to be very careful with my language here, um, storing data and executing processes in such a way that they're not all done through one central gatekeeper. So that's kind of the spirit of decentralization. Actually, the you know the internet itself was kind of designed to be decentralized from the beginning, which uh, the structure that was used, which is DARPAnet is supposed to be a computer network that couldn't be taken down. Um, ironically now, uh, the services built on top of it are highly centralized. So there is a movement toward decentralization, and this movement actually ends up usually being associated with the Web3 people. And Web3 is kind of the catch-all term of the next evolution of technology, assuming that Technology evolves version by version. We're in version two of the web now, and there was a version one, and there was a version to differentiate this decentralized world. Web3 was kind of created as a buzzword. And the thing I think we need to be careful with with dune is Web3 implies a stack of technology to do decentralized. Web3 depends on blockchain because it depends on crypto, which is dependent on by NFTs and decentralized autonomous organization, right? All of these things create one big, theoretically decentralized arrangement, but Dune doesn't necessarily want to use any of those technologies. So we want to be decentralized, but not necessarily by using the Web3 stack. So I think it's important to point out because for better or for worse right now, Web3 I think is having a little bit of trouble defining itself and I'm not sure we want to get stuck in that confusion.
0: Yeah. Plus we've gone ahead and made a certain amount of fun of the, the crypto people. And I think it's probably a good idea to just say, look, this is not technology that is based around Web3. We really see this as a potential alternative future to how people store personal information in a distributed and potentially decentralized fashion, but that one that works with the future technology that we're developing. Now, whether or not blockchain is, which is just a particular way of you know, keeping information, if that's a feature that we need to use at some point because we see a really good reason for it to be used, great, we'll evaluate that. But right off the bat, uh, I don't see any reason at the moment to use it, uh, but you know, if it comes along, that's fine. But the idea of monetizing the uh, individual data and how the data gets stored and who has control of it and being a crypto thing, I, I don't see that. Um, we will have cryptography in our product, right? It needs to be able to do secure transactions. And so you'll hear us talk about a lot of decentralized concepts And as we push the product further, we hope to be able to be very flexible in terms of how people keep their information, but it's not going to
1: be this under the banner of the current Web3 wave. Right. In fact, actually, if we wanted to coin a term for what we're doing, uh, if you you look at what we were saying just a little bit earlier, that one of the main knocks on huge centralized data stores like Facebook is usual example that an enormous amount of data is collected upon you and that data is monetized. Your behavior is monetized and everything else is must to make the central organization a lot of revenue that you don't necessarily see. You see, the payoff being, well, you get to use their services for free because they are basically selling your psychometric profile to a bunch of advertisers or other things. We could call this demonetization in a way because by taking the data and putting it into a million discrete little sand dunes, which I'm gonna say it right now, yes, we have ideas as to how that works technically. That's not pie in the sky stuff, but putting that aside for a moment, by putting it into a million little sand dunes, you remove the ability of a central organization to monetize you. And I think that's a kind of a powerful statement right now in a world where the trust of huge centralized organizations is at an all time low and dropping like a rock
0: yeah trust is huge and that is you know i hear people talking about that a lot and one of the reasons why we've been spending well almost six months uh, on our podcast talking about transparency is that we believe that it's transparency that's needed in order to re-enable trust to the level that makes people comfortable sharing actually i shouldn't say the word sharing but using a service like sand dune to keep your private information now you may also decide that you have information that you want to share between other users of the sand In the sense, since you might want to give your friends some information and just like you might use a google doc to share information but you might want to have some other kind of unstructured information that you share among other users and that's totally fine and we just want to give you you the control over the sharing settings of that information and i think that's kind of important not just because this is what we theoretically think the world needs but also this is what i want <laughs> and i think frank um you and i both would like a future where the the demonetization that you just mentioned is more the standard practice than the crazy monetization of personal information that we see on all of the social media companies. Right, we're kind of
1: removing people as the product.
0: And that means there has to be a way of making money with this product that is different from just purely scanning your information. And so we want to figure out both payment mechanisms, so through an online uh, subscription service. Uh, we we think that'll eventually be the case for some of it, uh, but usually more in the sense that you get extra features and more functionality if you help contribute, uh, but you might also uh, help want to support us by just um, helping us run the business. Uh, but, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, today I pay Google for my Google Drive storage, Um I can see a future where I'm paying Sanddune for my data storage. I just know it's going to be kept a little bit more private than um, the other services. So that's kind of like our focus. Now, there might be avenues of doing some amount of advertising, but in a very different way and a lot more careful than I think the way the current advertising model is set. And so that is some of the kind of discussion arguments we need to have in order to figure out, hey, how do we... Make this whole thing work uh, without becoming a, uh, a, <laughs> I guess a, a company that's just bleeding money, <laughs> because we definitely need uh, to have a revenue source. And so I think you know will be int- those are interesting discussions that we'll be having over the coming months.
1: Yeah, there, there are ways to work in advertising that are utterly unobtrusive to the user, except when it comes time to pay the bill. Um, that would make it would print money. And it would also remove the user from having to look at ads every time they log. So I think between us we could come up with three or four different ways that are totally different than the model that would probably work great, uh, as well as like you said, contribution. There are different levels of functionality we have to think about. You know, user acquisition and growth, and all those rest of those things that you know app developers worry about and um, software as a service developers worry about. But it's kind of exciting in that you know we are at a spot where we don't necessarily have to do it like a Maybe we can figure out a better way to do this. Yeah. So
0: we've kind of covered the gamut of things about both how we want to run a company with how we want information of how we develop things to be as open as possible. And as we kind of go forward, now that we're kind of talking about what the sand dune is and what design decisions we'll make, I think this podcast will get a little bit more technical. And so those of you who uh, may not be software engineers, uh, hopefully we can keep you slightly entertained. But I think a big part of the podcast is the decision-making process and why do we make certain technical decisions. And so the one thing I would hope uh, both of us will do is as we discuss potentially very technical issues, but do it in a way that is understandable uh, to a broader aud- audience so that they understand, hey, you know, Hans and Frank really are thinking about the different things in a societal way. And I use that term because when you build technology, technology isn't just tech for tech's sake. It's... it works within a a society that operates with lots of gatekeepers and it only succeeds in situations where people actually want to to use those tools. And while I know that doesn't sound particularly clear, I think maybe I should say that we want the application and the tools and the decisions we make to fit within The concept of the society that we live in. And I think those are the kind of interesting discussions that I think perhaps social media companies do have internally, but no one talks about them publicly. And so the one big difference for us is we're happy to have these conversations out in the public and take feedback.
1: Right. We're kind of calling our shot ahead of time. So that if we should ever get partners or investors or, you know, additional employees or everything, understand what the ethic of the company in the beginning, rather than just assuming that at some point we'll dump ads in it and, you know, pump it for all it's worth. That's really not our aim here. And understanding that I think is key to getting the right partners and or potentially investors and or potentially employees to, to work with. That's right. Well, I think we covered that pretty well. <laughs> <If there's laughs> yes. Anything left for today?
0: I I think that 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 was a good one. And uh, next time we can, once again, we'll touch on some business challenges, uh, decisions we'll be making, uh, but also get into the technical stuff. I mean, I think right now there's a lot of coding that I'm doing that is reaching a point where it's going to make you do a lot of coding. (laughs) And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some additional folks to join us and help us as well. Uh but yeah it's uh it's always fun to do the podcast and that's why um I think this is a kind of a unique uh, little approach we're taking
1: Agreed and I can't wait to do the AI cover either but I'm all out of credits on the app
0: Ooh no All right well I can I can I can uh chime in uh, some money for that uh so we can uh we <laughs> we can have a nice AI cover because those those have been pretty cool
1: Thank you awesome
0: Well Thanks again for joining us on the Sandoon Podcast. This has been the 23rd episode. We are now uh, going to be glad to have you send us your tweets at Sandoon Podcast. Or I should, like I think you told me, to say tweet us at, right? Or tweet Sandoon Podcast, right?
1: Yeah, I think tweet's a verb now, right?
0: Yes, so tweet's a verb. Although I have a feeling there is going to be other social media platforms on which we will be once the the changes happen.
1: Yeah, I know, but that's, you know, he who must not be named for this.
0: All right, I will try very, very
1: hard. Awesome. Well, everybody stay safe and have a wonderful weekend.
0: Thanks, right.